Today on the i5 Corridor is the debut of the i5 Corridor, a new podcast about sports in Oregon. I'm Tyson Alger, Agent Schneider's along for the ride. Let's go. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. Hey everyone, and welcome to the I-5 Corridor podcast, a podcast about all things sports here in the state of Oregon. I am Tyson Alger, and I am very happy to be joined here for the first episode by my new co-host. It's uh, Aiden Schneider. He's a former Oregon kicker, uh, somebody that I've really enjoyed getting to know during my time covering the Ducks over the last seven, eight years or so, and uh, just an overall kind of good and funny guy and someone that I thought would be great to come on this podcast and, and kind of be a part of this journey. So, Aiden, how's it going, man? <laughs> it's going great. Um, I'm excited to connect up with you again and, and super pumped about doing this show together. What uh, what are you doing in this heat? Like, this has been ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's like 100 degrees outside. Uh, I've become a little bit of a basement dweller. Yeah. I find it's... It's not cool, but it's cool enough. So uh, I've pretty much been holding up in my basement, playing some video games, just relaxing. What about you? Uh, well, I've been on a bit of a un- unemployed stretch the last uh, like month and a half. I uh, I-, I left uh, I left the athletic uh, at the start of uh, July, and it's been a lot of those kind of basement days, kind of figuring out what's next and. Uh, that's actually what this podcast is is kind of a pre-launch for. Um, starting next week on August uh, 23rd, we're going to be launching the i5corridor.com. It's a sports site uh, written by me, and Aiden's going to contribute some pieces and, and be a part of this podcast as we go along, too. And um, frankly, it's just a place where we want to tell story, the stories we want to about sports in Oregon. It's, it's going to be a lot of Oregon Ducks. We'll have some beavers. We'll have some blazer, blazers, timbers. But... Um, it's just something that we, we both live here in Portland. I've been here for nearly 10 years and Aiden's born and raised Grant High alum. And, uh, it's just, uh, something that we, something that I've done several times before. This is my third podcast. I had one at the Oregonian. I had one at the athletic and and thank you to everyone who's kind of come along through that. But this is your first thing. This is your first kind of venture into the media. And I'm kind of curious why the hell you decided to sign up for this, man. (laughs) Well, uh, like you said, um, I'm a native Portlander. I was born and raised here. Been a huge sports fan my whole life. And I know you mentioned beavers. Maybe light on the beavers well, content. Th- th- those can be maybe we'll like knee heavy episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I'm I'm a huge Timbers fan, Blazers fan, Oregon football fan, and other sports uh, as well. And I, I had the opportunity to be interviewed by you um, a few times throughout my college career and, and really enjoyed that relationship. So when this opportunity came up, it was it was too good to turn down. So your your college career is still like one of my favorite stories overall, because like you if I remember right, you didn't kick a whole lot other than playing soccer, like mo- mostly through high school. And then it was just kind of you came on as a walk on. You won that starting job pretty quickly out of camp. And then like all of a sudden you're an All-American. And uh, next thing you know, like I'm interviewing you on media days and you're like sleeping on a couch because like you're just like, oh, I'm the All-American kicker. Like I can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I was as surprised by it as you were. It just kind of like 
it came out of nowhere. I was a soccer player growing up. I, I always thought that was going to be my college sport. Um, that's what I was working towards. And kind of out of a little bit of frustration of not getting the playing time I felt like I deserved uh, in high school soccer, I started kicking. So like <laughs> I, I messed around with um, a childhood friend of mine, uh, gone out and kicked in middle school and and had fun with it, but it was never something I was planning to do. And so when I had that uh, kind of tough break in soccer, um, kicker on the football team quit. My neighbor was on the team. He called me up. I played my first game a week later. So it was definitely unplanned. You, you know, it's funny, and this makes me feel relatively old, but I, I'm pretty sure I covered a couple of your soccer games when I was on the prep staff at the Oregonian, probably 2012, 2013-ish. Um, I, I, they, they had me cover a couple of state, state high school games and, uh, I barely knew soccer at all at the time. So I, I apologize if those were atrocious, <laughs> if those stories were terrible. Ah, uh, it's okay. We've, we've all forgotten about that. Okay. So I, I want, I want to get a little bit into kind of more of your background and you have a, we were talking off air before this, you have a pretty good story about how you actually became the, the starting kicker at Oregon, but just a couple of housekeeping keeping items. Aiden and I are going to be doing this podcast at least once a week. And then for next week, once the, the website launches, which will be a paid subscription website, there will also be a couple uh, bonus episodes for people uh, behind the paywall. But for everyone, like we'll have a free episode every week for as long as we're doing this, which is hopefully, hopefully a long time. And uh, you can uh, get updates uh, about when we're releasing and new episodes and everything at all of our social accounts. It's at the I5 Corridor, one word, no dash, on Twitter and on Instagram. Or you can go to i-5corridor.com uh, to get signed up for the website. But that's all the boring stuff. Let's get let's get into how you became a starting kicker. So you walk on. Actually, explain to me like the whole walk on process because I, I think that's something that like people don't quite get like you just show up and all of a sudden you declare that you want to be on the team or like like how did that work for you yeah that's that's a question i get a lot so i was a preferred walk-on so essentially that means uh i wasn't technically recruited in in the ncaa's definition of recruitment <laughs> but i was offered a guaranteed spot on the team ahead of time so i didn't have to show up uh in the fall and go to walk-on tryouts they basically just said we'd like for you to join the team. We got a spot for you. We just can't offer you a scholarship. And, and to me, that was like, that was a massive win. Like when I first started kicking, I didn't think I was going to get within a mile of playing division one. So I was just happy to be there. I figured I'd get in, I'd be third, fourth string, you know, maybe I'd play a little bit my, by my junior or senior year, but by no means had plans of of playing, especially not as a freshman. Well, and, and at, at the time too, like Oregon had a pretty heralded guy in the same, I believe in the same class as you, maybe a year older, Matt Wogan, who came from, he, he was like one of the number one, like probably one or two number ranked kicker in the country at the time coming in. Like, like it, it, was, it was quite the... Uh, quite the difference between like where were you at coming in and then like kind of like your teammate and, and or competition. Yeah, so he was a year older, and uh, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier is no one expected me to play, including myself. So it was <laughs> it was really out of nowhere. So what was what was that like first fall camp like for you then? Uh, it was intimidating. Um, so, you know, um, showing up to a big-time football program like Oregon, 
um, is naturally going to be intimidating just getting into the swing of things. Um, and then you add to that, I played something like 15 football games in high school. So I didn't have a whole lot of experience. I wasn't super familiar with kind of, I'll even say football culture just because I had always split time between soccer and football uh, in high school for practice time, just cause it's, they're both fall sports. So I, it was my first experience standing around for an entire football practice. And let me tell you, <laughs> there's a lot of standing, a lot more standing than kicking or anything else really. I I remember writing a story. Uh, I think it was your senior year, and I was. It was they they started giving us little like fifteen minute windows into practice, which like or, I mean I'm I'm not going to complain about any access, but like the little like fifteen minute periods are absolutely useless. It's just basically like stretching and everything. But they they let us watch like thirty minutes one time, and like everyone was like watching like the quarterbacks throwing, and I like was like ah screw it, like I want to go see like what the kickers are doing, and like. I was just like watching down on that side of the field and it was you and I can't remember who the other kicker or holder was, but it was just like you guys like rummaging like in these bushes, like looking for a ball. <laughs> like, like I was just like, ah, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's so fun being a specialist. Like, you know, you get the, you get the glamour, you're on the football team, but um, a lot of the time you're spending just hanging out, like messing around. So we had a really fun group of guys and, and we were just, we we're hanging out, sleeping on couches, rummaging in bushes. There's just <laughs> no end to that sort of but, stuff but <laughs> all the time you have. It's, 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 it's fun to joke about and all those things, but this is, you know, playing a pretty important role on a team that would eventually go to the national championship game. Uh, so you can make it through camp. Like I imagine you felt like that you were proving yourself like a little bit, or at least like maybe gaining some confidence through camp. But like, how did, how did you get to the point where you were actually like, what was it like three, three weeks in, did you become the starter? Yeah. So what actually ended up happening was, um, towards the end of camp, we had our, our position reviews, kind of like our camp evaluation and talking about depth chart status. And so I, I felt like I had a relatively strong camp. Um, I was pretty happy with it. And so I found out that I had made the two deep. And the coaching staff told me our plan is to redshirt you, but you're going to be our number two guy. You're going to be on the travel squad. You need to be ready to play in case everything happens or in case anything happens, excuse me. Um, and to me, that was, that was a huge win. Like I didn't think I was going to play. Like I get to redshirt. I get to go to all the games still be on the travel squad. That was perfect. Um, so I was pretty happy with that. And then some injuries struck, um, and I found out I was going to be kicking week one and it was really exciting, but pretty terrifying at the same time. I'm, I'm actually remembering that now. Cause like whenever you're like for on the, like the media side of things, like at the time, like Oregon, I don't think they even released like a public too deep at the time. It was back when like everything was like still state, state secrets, like no talks about injury, no talks about like who's positioned where. And uh, yeah, I am remembering a little bit of that surprise of like, Oh shoot. Like the walk-ons kicking, like, all right, let's go. Like, let's see, let's see how this works. And it, it, uh, I had to imagine like that had to have been a, a bit of a surprise for you, like being put in that position. Yeah, it was. So I found out, uh, I think in the middle of game week that I was going to be the kickoff guy. And I was like, okay, you know, I can handle that. It's, it's 
not a ton of pressure. It's not the same as kicking field goals. I'll be all right. And then I actually, it was kind of up in the air whether I was going to place kick as well. And I actually found out on game day morning at breakfast. So <laughs> that that kind of changed everything to know that I was going to be handling uh, uh, both spots. And I was I was pretty nervous after that, but who you know, got who, through it. Who, who tells you in that situation? Is it was was it Osborne at the time, or was it like like, like who, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was Osborne. He just we we had in our position meetings we discussed it during the week, and then he just came up to me at breakfast, <laughs> was just holding my tray of food, and he's like, "You're kicking, you're doing it all." So and that was how I found out. So so what what starts going through your mind during that? Because I imagine like one, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like all of a sudden, I'm kicking like a pa- like for this team. And then two, it's just like you have, I, I think kicking and quarterbacks are the two most interesting positions. Cause they're like one of the only ones where it's like, you're directly like competing against the one other person who's probably not going to play a lot. Like how, how did basically, how did things go for you the rest of the way? Well, at that point I was kind of just thinking like, <laughs> don't mess this up. Number one. And then number two, you're a freshman walk on, they're not going to expect too much of you. Just go do your best. And I think that honestly, not knowing what I was doing all that much and not having a ton of experience kind of worked in my favor because I, you know, I wasn't super hard on myself. I didn't have a bunch of expectations. I just, I just realized this is new territory. Just kind of put your best foot forward and, and you're going to be fine. And I think that that was a real asset to me. And then you go on to be an all-american season first team all pack 12 uh kicking i think you hit three in the pack 12 championship game is that right i did i I remember the miss a little bit more but yeah shoot i don't remember the miss i think i wrote i think i wrote a sidebar about that too actually funny funny story about that game uh we were in the locker room after the the title game and uh i think i was just doing a story on like how like the non-star players like did a like played a role in like winning that game. So I think I like led maybe with how you played and then um all all year long, this is my first year covering college football, uh people had told me that like Joe Walker was a, a tough interview and that like he, he um he was starting to work in linebacker at the time, kind of a quiet guy, a little bit a little bit surly. And everyone's like, yeah, like Joe Walker, he's like the worst interview on the team, yada, yada. But he had a great game that game. And so I go down into the locker room and those are great because it's like the first time all year where it's like open locker room. You can go talk to whoever you want to. Um, and so I, I start having a conversation with Joe Walker and like I'm talking to him about the, the game and, and uh, uh, it talked for probably like 10, 15 minutes. And I thought it was like a great interview. I was like, oh, this is going to be an awesome story. Like my first Pac-12 title game writing. Then we get back up to the press box and I was talking to uh, my former coworker, Andrew Greif at the time. And I was like, man, like Joe Walker was fantastic. Like, I don't know what, what the hell you guys were talking about. Like, that was a really great interview. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. But that was Danny Mattingly. And <laughs> so who, who fit similar frame to Joe Walker, another white linebacker. And I just happened to get them confused in the locker room and, uh, so that's that was my uh, my lasting memory from the Pac-12 title game is 15 minutes with Danny Mattingly that I was not able to use in my story. <laughs> oh man! Which uh, um, oh, I was just gonna say that was that was a, that was a fun one to explain to my editor afterward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet. 
Um, Another funny tidbit about that game is I was actually coming back from mono that game. So uh, after we played uh, would have been late in the conference schedule at Utah, like I had a kind of big game at Utah. I hit three field goals. I I felt like it was really like kind of my coming out party. Um, And I think I hit three field goals in like the end of the first half start of the third quarter in a pretty close game. Um, so that was huge for me, but I started getting sick after the game and I actually ended up missing the Colorado game, which was senior day Oh shoot! and the Oregon state game, which being an Oregon kid missing my first civil war was such a bummer, but I was just mono just took me out. I was exhausted and I was so upset when I got the diagnosis because I knew I wasn't going to be able to play. But I was so thankful that we made it to the Pac-12 championship and I was able to get back in time. Did did they kick any field goals in the games that you missed? Yeah, I think there was one. There was one in the Civil War. There might have been one in the Colorado game. Was 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 there any part of you just because you were like still walk on status at the time of like, oh shoot, like I'm missing two games like in the middle of like as I'm playing well, like what's gonna happen? Yeah, I had I felt like I'd done enough, but being a walk on, you never know. Um and, and especially just given um the way I started playing, you know, a, a little bit unexpected at the beginning of the year. It wasn't like your classic go into camp, win the job outright. So I was worried about that, but you know, I, I was able to, to make a full recovery and, and thankfully got back in there. Uh, did you ever get on scholarship? I did. It, <laughs> it took a little while, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I, I finished up my freshman year, had a good year. I think I went 11 for 12 with the, the one miss coming in the PAC 12 championship. Ruined a perfect disappointing i know what could have been what what could have been (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i i asked about a scholarship um going into my sophomore year and feedback i got from helfrich was you know totally reasonable to be asking you played a big part in in our uh in our last season you know it was a big year for our team and we really appreciate your contributions uh we don't have a full scholarship for you right now but let me look into it. You know, I can do some research. We might be able to finagle the system a little bit, put you on for a couple terms, take you off and then put you on officially. And, you know, I didn't think much of it. I was like, all right, you know, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks or whatever. But I actually didn't hear back from him about that. Um, so I had some frustration going into my sophomore year, especially with, with how I performed in the first half of the season. Like, I don't think I missed a kick until would have been UW. So a couple games into conference play. Um, and so I was pretty frustrated about that. I really wanted to get a scholarship. Uh, I talked to the coaches again and it kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, and then I finally got one right before we left for the Alamo bowl. Oh, sweet man. That's a, probably a high and then a very quick low. <laughs> It was quite the turnaround, but I I think similarly to how kickers feel during games, I was like, you know, I had a career, a career long in the Alamo bowl. Like I did what I can do. 
I got my scholarship. It's it's an unfortunate <laughs> unfortunate game for the program and for all involved, but I was I was still pretty happy at the end of the day. And we we, we might have to do like a deep dissection on uh really really reliving the Alamo Bowl as at some point during this, but we we won't save that for here for the the first episode. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm ready for that. Maybe in a couple years. Yeah. yeah that... The the craziest thing about that game was the night before, uh, or no, I guess it was two nights before when when Trayvon Boykin got arrested. Like, what was that? Like two days before the game. Uh, yeah, it was. We we were out with uh, me and Greif were out with the riders from uh, basically the TCU riders, and we were at this like you know nice Mexican restaurant, and uh, we were sitting at the at this booth, and in the booth right behind us was like Boykin and like some of his friends, and it was like seven p.m. and uh, like it was early in the night, and like he recognized the riders we were with, and like he got up from his table, like came over and like said hello. It was just like hey, like. Thanks for coming. Thanks for covering the game. Like it's great to see you guys, but like well, it's just like incredibly like polite and cordial and everything. And then he goes back to his table, and then we're like, oh, like I did never talk to the kid before or like anything. I was like, oh man, he seems like like what a nice guy. And then it was like you wake up that next morning, and it was just like Tra- Trayvon Boykin like assaults a police officer outside of a, <laughs> or whatever it was, like outside of like a, a restaurant that we had just eaten at, like along the boardwalk and. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stories that week. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I remember seeing that in the morning and like the news was just spreading around our team hotel and we were like, you must be messing with me. <laughs> There's no way like two days before the game that happened, like no shot. Well, it was kind of surreal. And, and I remember they had, a, they had like a pretty big receiver out that game too. So like, like the, the narrative was just like, ah, Oregon's probably just going to like steamroll them. And then, uh. And Vernon got a concussion, and yep, <laughs> we we did steamroll him for a while, but not quite long enough. Right, right. Um, all right. Well, so that kind of like covers your career a little bit, but like, just what are you doing now? So I'm working uh, in Portland at a digital ad agency currently. I did have uh, I did spend some time pursuing a career in the NFL, which which didn't quite pan out the way that I that I had hoped it would. But it, here, here's, a, here's, here, here's a stupid question. But like, what did you hope it would be? Like, 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 what, what did you think your path like to that was going to look like? Uh, well, it kind of changed over time. You know, I, I never thought I was going to get drafted. Um, I thought I'd maybe be like. Uh, a post-draft free agent signing. Then I did my pro day, had a couple scouts who sounded really interested, um, just crushed the ball. And so I was like, okay, maybe I sneak into the seventh round. I don't really have experience with this. I don't know how it works. Um, Didn't quite happen. Didn't really get any calls after the draft for a couple days. And I did get invited to rookie mini camp with the chiefs but unfortunately <laughs> i did find out it wasn't because they were interested in me as a player they had harrison butker who's coming off a, a huge rookie year at the time and they just needed someone to run practice but right. <laughs> i was excited to get out there but they told me pretty immediately that they weren't bringing any of the specialists back regardless of performance so that was a bit of a letdown do, do you think that um i'm going to be really polite here you you had a really great Oregon career. You were a really good college kicker. You weren't necessarily the most uh, 
fluid. I mean, like, uh, it didn't look like you were necessarily like, uh, had, uh, um, you know, they talk about quarterbacks who throw like a pretty spiral, like, like, you know, it, I, 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 you've talked to me a little bit about this, about how maybe some coaches gave you a little bit of shit about, uh, uh maybe not having the best stuff, but like the results were there. Like, do you think again, like, that was any part of it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's certainly possible. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say what all goes into that decision-making process. Um, but I've always had kind of an unconventional style of kicking and, and kind of funny going back to the, the scholarship conversation earlier. Um, as I mentioned, I, I had some frustration about that situation and during Alamo bowl practices, um, I had some, some coaches talking to other players and, it given me a backhanded compliment in a way, telling me, telling them that uh, I had the worst form they'd seen in years and years of coaching. But I was very mentally tough that I didn't care about the surroundings. <laughs> I just went out and got the job done. Perfect. <laughs> and and after being frustrated about the scholarship situation for a while, <laughs> during one of those Alamo Bowl practices, I heard that, and I was just like, "Man, I I got to get out of here." So I <laughs> I left practice. I went home, I called my mom, told her I was transferring, and she was like, I don't, I don't know, you got a pretty great opportunity, but we're going to support you, and so I was looking for schools, I was ready to get out of there, and then, wouldn't you know it, the next day at practice is when I got a scholarship, so <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone heard my plans, but you got to wonder. Did, did you feel like, uh, I, mean, I mean, I imagine you were like ecstatic and probably felt vindicated, but did any part of you go like, oh, shoot, like they, they found out? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I wasn't exactly thinking that, but uh, I'd kind of just gotten myself in this mindset where I'm like, I have to leave. This is what I'm going to do. And obviously I was like over the moon when it happened. I was super excited, but there was a little part of me that just thought, oh, well, now I have to stay. <laughs> and then and then they never used you the next the, your final two years and I, I i remember i remember writing a story i think it was taggart's your senior year taggart's here and i think you had seven attempts that season and it was it was like aiden schneider is like the best player in the country who doesn't ever get to play <laughs> yeah it it was rough the last two years uh i think you know a lot of it's just a byproduct of of some offensive struggles. Yeah. The first two years we, we had really potent offenses and you know, whether it's extra points or field goals, you're out there, you're kicking a lot, you can get into a good rhythm, but especially my junior year was brutal. Cause I had, I think 12 attempts over 12 games during the season, but I had one game with five attempts. So I had seven spread out over the other 11 games and for those of you who don't know, it's when you start a football game as a kicker, you generally have some nerves and you get out there, you kick your first extra point, you kick your first field goal, you kind of get to settle down and, and settle into the game a little bit. And there was just game after game where that wouldn't happen for hours. And I didn't have the benefit of um, being the kickoff guy, so I wasn't even getting on the field for that. So. There were times where I, I wouldn't kick until the third quarter, and, and that was definitely a challenge. Well, I, I still contend if they would have let you kick maybe two extra points in that Nebraska game, there, there might still be a different coaching staff here in Eugene. But that's 
that that's neither here nor there but um well, well cool man i like part the main reason i wanted to have you as like a co-host for this podcast is not only because like i i think that you played during like one of the most interesting eras of oregon football like because it's you kind of played in like that bridge era where like you were at the height of kind of the end of like the chip Helfrich era. You made it to a national championship game. You kind of went through the goalie of like the 2016 season. And then you were there for the kind of the, the, the infant stages of the Cristobal era when he came over as, as part of Willie Taggart's staff. And I, I think that's um, incredibly valuable experience and knowledge and to, to not only bring at, um, uh, uh, to this podcast, but it, I, I, it, I think it will be awesome to, to kind of have, uh, an emphasis on uh, specialists and, and what they bring to the table on on the website as well. I, I think we might try to try to get some of those uh, kickers on. Maybe we got to get Cattleman on the show at at some point. He's kind of like uh, Schneider 2.0 with his story, but um, oh, for sure, for sure, we do. He, he he's got a better mustache than you had when you played. Like I, I I'm just saying. I. I'm I'm gonna say it. I think it's recency bias. Yeah, that's that's fair, man. I get I get accused of that a lot, and it's also because like I've only covered Oregon since like 2014, so I, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to like catch up with like the 2000s because like it's like Joey Harrington and Kellen, and you know, like a lot of like popular stuff. But I'm really bad at like early like pre 2000s Oregon Ducks, and I and I that's something that I want to do with this podcast and the website as well is kind of do you know bring to light like some of those old Oregon stories and those teams and, and bring some of those people on the podcast and uh, on the website to just kind of share those stories. And um, again, that's, that's kind of why we're doing this is I've uh, I've been very fortunate to have a platform here in Portland and kind of on the Oregon beat for the last eight years. And, um, you know, I, I really know this fan base, I think. And I, I think I know the the stories that, that some people hopefully like to read and, um, yeah, and we're only going to – it's nice that since we're self-employed here that uh, we'll be able to write the only the stuff that we want. So hopefully with uh, the support of everybody, uh, again, it's going to be i-5corridor.com. It's releasing August 23rd. Uh, we'll blast it all over social. But uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to get into uh, a little bit of what we think about this current Oregon team and some fall camp stories. Hey, it's still Tyson. Just wanted to say thanks again for everyone who's listening to this first episode of the i5 Corridor and to keep an eye out on the 23rd for the official launch of i5corridor.com. Simply put, it's a place for Oregon sports owned and produced by someone who lives here. Give us a follow on Twitter at the i5 Corridor. Now back to the show. We want to talk a little bit about about fall camp. Uh, The Ducks are, I believe... Almost two full weeks into the 2021 fall camp, they are the projected Pac-12 favorites. Uh, they're back-to-back conference champions right now, looking for the three-peat. But um, I've I've covered this program for quite some time now, and this just kind of feels like one of those camps where, if if things start going right, like you you might start having kind of uh, playoff talk here real soon. I mean, it's, especially with the the schedule coming up. I mean, not only. Um, not only is it going to be a fun Pac-12 schedule, uh, that Washington game is going to be amazing, especially after last year and, and that being canceled. But, I mean, they open with Ohio State week two. And just kind of thinking back to when you guys played in 2014, you guys had Michigan State in week two, I believe, in 14 and 15. And that 14 game still the best, like the most electric atmosphere I think I've ever felt at Autzen, uh being there in, in person. Uh, you can maybe look back and... Uh, the Washington game in set 
in the Washington game in 18 was pretty electric when when they won on CJ Verdell's uh, overtime uh, inside zone and uh, but yeah that that one was pretty good but I, I don't think anything quite compared to that Michigan State game because you had a Heisman candidate you had two top ten teams you had Oregon who was already kind of hyped up as a like a legitimate playoff team. Uh, I guess what I want to know from your perspective is like, what's camp like when you have that kind of that sort of game hovering over your head? That's it's uh it's a, a lot of anticipation when you got an opponent like that on the schedule, and I feel like that's almost complicated by usually having a an easier game week one. You know, everyone around the building is like, we don't want to look forward to Michigan State. We got whoever it is, South Dakota first. But everyone's everyone's kind of looking at Michigan State. You're watching a little more Michigan State film than you it's probably impossible. would. It's impossible not to, right? Yeah, and, and coming out of camp, um, to have a, a measuring stick game like that is, is a super cool opportunity because at that point you've been hitting each other for four weeks. You know, you've been working on working on offense, working on defense, working on special teams, but all against your teammates everyone's hyped up to go hit someone else and and show what they can do and i think it's going to be a huge opportunity for oregon this year what, uh, week two what's it like for you seeing uh you know you were there when cristobal was just as the offensive line coach and now he's kind of transformed from a a guy that a lot of people thought rob mullins took a bit of a risk on just because he had a career losing record he wasn't necessarily like a, a household name and he's I think he's turned himself into probably one of the top 10 most popular coaches in the country. I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I think he needs to have a little bit more of a track record before you can start actually like throwing his name around with some of the people that have a little bit more kind of proven, but like in terms of momentum, like I don't think any coach has more momentum right now uh, than, than Cristobal does. Like what, like where, what do you kind of expect out of, not expect, but like, where do you see him now, especially kind of in that lens of a former player? Well, I think Cristobal's in a really good spot. Um, you know, he, he took over the program. All the players loved him. Everyone was lobbying for him to be the guy who got the job. That happened. We've obviously seen the recruiting. Um, he's made a lot of progress with the program, but I think this is a really pivotal year, and that, that week two matchup with Ohio State is really pivotal as well, just because Cristobal's going into year four, He's had an opportunity to recruit. He's had an opportunity to put his stamp on the culture at Oregon. So from here on out, it's we're going to see uh, the fruits of his labor. And and I think with Oregon being preseason Pac-12 favorites and being talked about as a, a potential playoff team, that whether they get a win or not, to be able to to go to Columbus and and put on a solid showing where we can say Oregon at least really pushed Ohio state and competed. That could be a key to them being uh, potentially, obviously hopefully an undefeated team, but maybe a one loss team that ends up in the playoff. I just, I think you hit the nail on the head there because one loss teams can make the playoff. I, I think everyone likes to kind of do the doomsday scenario of like, Oh, you lost in week two, like the season's over. Like I, I remember when you guys lost to, to Arizona, it was Marcus lost the Heisman. The ducks aren't going to make it to the title game. Like, and that's kind of what I love about this sport too, is because like each week feels so important. We get to like overreact to everything. Um, but I, 
I think just being able to show that you can compete in those compete in those games. You can look back at like the 2019 season when Oregon opened up with Auburn, and it, it wasn't an it wasn't a, a top level elite Auburn team, but it was still matching you know a, a, a new era of Oregon football up against a, a good SEC power team. And the Ducks lost that game, but they they played like you know they were one Justin Herbert hail mary away from. Uh, from winning that thing and um but the but the ducks played great in that game and i think that helped them so much especially as they got down they i I think they won like their next nine games they got up to like number five or six in the playoff and like so much of it too was just like and they looked good in that auburn game like like that that can help you but like if they go out there and get blown out like then it's kind of like that that game is going to be so crucial for me in terms of like evaluating the quarterback position because you have Anthony Brown who Oregon brought in to play these types of games he started for three years and he started for three years at Boston College he's played against Clemson he's played against Florida State he's played in these big games and everyone else on Oregon's roster is talented but there's just not a whole lot of experience so I, I want to see if, if, if this quarterback and his experience here is is kind of what they need uh, to win that type of game because if not and if he struggles like they have some really talented players behind him, like led by Ty Thompson, who everyone that I talked to was like over the moon about. And um, so there's there's a lot of pressure on Anthony Brown this year, I think. And, you know, I, I think Oregon's been very satisfied with what they've seen out of him, especially now that he's had like a, actually a full year to like play and like be in the system. Like I can't imagine like how tough that was for him last year where like basically you get there in like August, then it's a weird season like. You're, he didn't get spring ball. It's a new offensive coordinator too. And then you have like, you're trying to beat out a guy who had been there for essentially three years already in, in Tyler. Um, so yeah, I, I, th- I think that's my biggest question going into the year is just whether or not Anthony Brown is, I think he's ready for this, but I just want to see like what level that he can get to because with Oregon's defense and kind of the disruptors it has between like Kayvon Thibodeau and uh, Noah Sewell, I think Justin Flo is going to be a freak this year. Um, it could be some really fun football to watch this season. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's where recruiting comes into play as well. So, you know, if you have a new quarterback in there, you got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball to take a little bit of that pressure off. So it doesn't have to be one guy playing hero ball, you know, throwing the ball all over the field, but someone who's going to get the ball to playmakers, make good decisions and not turn the ball over. So that's definitely going to be key. Let's uh let's wrap up here with uh just cuz it's fall camp. I always I always loved at least covering a couple weeks of fall camp. I, I think like the first 2 weeks of it like everyone's still in like that good mood of like it's football, like we're back and and then it kind of gets like a little monotonous like towards the end, but um there's always like I don't know, it just feels lighter during the fall and uh, like one one of my favorite me- <laughs> What one of my favorite camp memories was uh it was that twenty fourteen year Marcus had just come back from the Manning he had done like the Manning Academy circuit where it was like him and Sean Mannion and James Winston, they go to the Manning Academy and they're helping these, you know, counselors for uh, high school athletes doing the camp and uh it was like one of Marcus's first press conferences or media scrums post that and uh you know, it's typical Marcus, nicest guy I think I've ever interviewed. And he, people are asking him like, "Oh, how's Sean Mannion?" He's like, "Oh, Sean Mannion's great. He's a really good dude." Like, how's uh, I think of the Michigan State quarterback it was Connor Cook. Like, how's Connor Cook? Like, oh, he's a great guy. Uh, how's Jameis Winston? Oh, he's a great guy too. And so I asked, I asked Marcus. I was just like, "Is there anybody that you don't like?" And he's like, "Well, like nobody's like a dick or anything." And like everyone just kind of <gasps> like. 
like it was like some like a record scratch because i don't think we've even heard like marcus say like crap or crud or like anything to that point and like all the sids kind of looked around too like and i think like everyone was just like in agreement like all right no one's going to mention this like marcus is too nice of a guy to have him be saying dick on camera and uh, <laughs> just just like shit like that was like always in the fall or like or like the the only time I've ever been on Sports Center was when Vern like when it was like the Vernon Adams math test in, in twenty fifteen when it was like would he pass or would he not and it kind of felt like people were waiting for like the smoke coming out of uh, uh out of uh, uh when a new pope is announced or something to whether or not he passed the test but th- those were my probably my favorite two off off the off the wall camp stories how about you. Well, I think probably one of my funniest moments of fall camp is media day, um, probably probably junior year. I'm coming off my, my best season as a sophomore. So got the call up to, to the club level at Autzen, got my jersey laid out for me and everything. That I was super excited. Food. Oh, yeah. I was, I was excited. I was like, all right, I made it to the big time. People are going to want to talk to me. <laughs> and then I spent a good like 45 minutes taking a nap on a couch. I think I have a picture of it somewhere, but I was, I was ready for everyone to be talking to me and I was just laying there. And I think they told me I had one interview or two. And I think one of them didn't even end up making their way to me. Well, I was just know- laying on the couch. Well, you know what happens with those is they tell like they're you know we get the email like a little bit for like request the players you want and you know some people will be like I want to talk to like these three people and then other people will do like everyone just just, just so they're on the list for everyone so that's <laughs> yeah, that's probably what happened to you. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I just ended up going back down to the locker room after that. I'd I'd waited for too long, but. Another another thing I loved about fall camp is they always have a schedule where things are spaced out very annoyingly. So you can't really leave. You can't really do anything. You'll have an hour of downtime, 45 minutes of downtime between stuff. Not really enough to do much. So a lot of people are taking naps at the facility. Us specialists, we have extra time. So we're laying around for like hours every day but my senior year someone finally slipped up and at least on the specialist schedule it might not have been the case for everyone else we had from the end of practice when we got into shower till the start of our next meeting a solid probably two and a half hours of free time and i was able to leave the facility for the first time during fall camp and go home and take a nap and that may have been the highlight of my career. So what's what's the quality of nap at the facility versus the quality of nap of when you're able to go home? I mean, I, I imagine there's a, there's a different different level of, uh, of restfulness that you're able to gain. Yeah, th- there's a lot of very aesthetic looking furniture at the facility <laughs> that isn't necessarily, doesn't have the desired function for napping. So that was always a bit of a challenge, but you, being you able were, to go home, I was sleeping like a baby. Wait, like, like even those like fancy like napping pod rooms in the the Mariota Center. You know what? I I hate to break it to people and let out a secret, but those weren't used all that much, at least by me and and some of my friends on the team. I feel like that's I feel like that's more of a show thing, you know? No, 
No. <laughs> or, it, no, Oregon would never. It, it, it's funny you mentioned like the uncomfortable things because like in in the like the interview room, like it, the whole the whole room is like the wallpaper is like made of like football leather, and then like it was like you know they sent out like a probably like a hundred page press release like touting like all the different things, and it's like oh the the, the chairs are made from the same same uh, leather put in Ferraris, but like all the seats are like at an angle, like at a negative angle. So like everyone's like sitting in them and like sliding out and they just make like fart noises too. Like, like it's the most like, <laughs> it's just like an awkward setup, but, but it looks cool. Yeah. It's cause they want you to get out. Yeah. It, Ask quick questions and get out. Ex exactly. Uh, well, speaking of getting out, I, th I think this is probably a good place to cut off the first episode here. And, uh, one, Good job, Aiden. Not not bad for your first podcast, man. How 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 are you feeling? Thanks, appreciate it. I'm feeling good. Set, <laughs> settled into it. Settled into it well after a few minutes, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, we'll we'll get better at this. I mean, I've been doing again. This is like my third iteration of a podcast, and I still one hate the sound of my voice when I hear it back on record. So you'll you'll get actually. A good positive step was when we did a sound check yesterday. You said you didn't quite hate the sound of your voice uh, as much as you were thinking. So that's that's a good step, good uh, self affirmation there. And uh, yeah, once again, we'll be doing this uh, at least once a week. Uh, we'll be available on iTunes. Uh, I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, should we get on the Google? I feel like we could get on the Google. Might as well. Might, might as well. We'll do Google. We'll we'll do the Google. Um, and again, the the i five corridor um, sports writing site where I'll be writing about Oregon and everything else across the state. And and uh, the other cool like part of the thing of naming it the i five corridor is I just want to be able to write about anything that's really of interest within our state. So uh, uh, it will be sports, but there also might be some interviews with. Uh, uh, local comedians uh and and just kind of what else interests us so um thanks for listening everybody and you got anything else Aiden? yeah i just wanted to say we're uh tyson and i are both super excited about doing this show and and we're really excited to be able to have the opportunity to talk about the things that we want to talk about but of course we also want to hear what interests you guys so um don't hesitate to get in touch, you know, give us, give us some feedback, what stories you like, what stories you don't. Um, it's definitely really important to us. So what, feel what, free to reach out. What's uh, what's your Twitter handle? Whew. Here, here, here. While, check that real quick. While, while you look that up through the magic of podcasting, I will stall and say, you can find me at Tyson Alger, all one word. My, uh, my DMS are open. Uh, my email is Tyson.Alger at gmail.com. Like, Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us who you want to have on this podcast. We want to be approachable. Um, the only way this is going to work is if we're able to, you know, interact with uh, our listeners and, and make this kind of a community show and especially the same thing with the website. So, and it looks like Aiden is ready to plug. And after all that fuss, it is at Schneider Aiden. <laughs> and you can also email me at Aiden.Schneider9 at gmail.com. Awesome. Inventful, right. Inventive names, I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks again, Aiden. I'm excited to keep doing this, and we will be back uh, next week with another episode of the I-5 Corridor Podcast. Looking forward to it. Sick. Oh, I didn't nice. record it. I didn't record any of that. I'm, I'm joking. Joking. <laughs> <laughs>
So I can. I... You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.